0: Hello, welcome to the Care Exchange, the skills for care podcast for managers and social care.
1: In the Care Exchange podcast series, we'll be talking to leaders and managers who work in adult social care. It's an opportunity to hear about their experiences and the tips and learning and knowledge that they want to share with other managers.
0: So the reason we decided to create a podcast was that we really wanted to celebrate the role of managers in social care. And we also wanted somewhere where managers could listen to other managers, feel less isolated and pick up some good ideas. The Care Exchange Conversation will be a monthly podcast. So if you are a manager in social care, this is the podcast for you.
1: But before we start our first episode, we thought we should do a quick overview about Skills for Care. Um, Skills for Care is mainly funded by the Department of Health and Social Care, and we support the adult social care sector around workforce issues, so in other words, you and your staff. And the resources and support we provide are focused in three main areas, um, which are about recruiting staff, developing staff, and leading your staff, which is obviously really, really important from the registered manager's perspective.
0: So my name is Pierre raftier Burton. I work as a locality manager for Skills for Care. The role as locality manager is to be the face of Skills for Care in an area, and my area is Kent and Medway. Before I joined Skills for Care, I was a register manager for 15 years.
1: And I'm Ali Rusbridge. I'm also a locality manager. My area is North East London, somewhere I've lived and worked in a range of learning and development roles for far too long to mention. But we are your care exchange hosts.
0: Usually, we'll be talking to a manager of a social care establishment, so a care home, a home care service or supported living service. But today, our first episode is a bit different.
1: Because today, we'll be joined by our boss, Ona Smith, the CEO of Skills for Care.
0: So, first podcast and our boss. No pressure. No
1: pressure. Ona's been the CEO of Skills for Care since March 2020, joining us just a couple of weeks before the first lockdown earlier this year.
0: So... On to the show. So, thank you very much for joining the Care Exchange podcast owner. I mean, really, really nice to see you today. Are you okay? Yes, I'm good. I'm good. I'm delighted to join you. Excellent. So, uh, really, really nice to have you here on our first uh, Care Exchange podcast. So, can you tell me us a little bit about your role at the moment?
2: Yeah, so I'm the CEO of Skills for Care, and uh, I've been the CEO for about six months now, which feels uh, quite shocking that it's been it's been that long. And so the 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 role is everything you'd expect from a, a CEO: a combination of internal, uh, external. So um, trying to build relationships, get an understanding of the organisation, as well as uh, it, it, uh, doing a lot of external work. Talking about um, the work that we're doing in the uh, in the sector, sharing some of that, sharing our uh, our intelligence and uh, and supporting in employers.
0: Yeah, and how how do you become a CEO? Had you been a CEO before? Or how do you become a CEO? You no.
2: Know, so my last role, uh, I was eight years in in MenCap as a as an executive director in in MenCap. And uh, so that uh, my my role was mostly uh, strategy, governance, policy, uh, employment, delivery, so a whole a whole combination of things. And so it was probably the natural next step for me because uh, it was one step up to, to move into the to the CEO. But I also led the MenCap executive when we didn't have a CEO when we were in between uh, CEOs. And so uh, that was a really good experience, I think, to get a sense yeah. of um, of leadership and, and prior to that my roles have always really uh, been around uh, equality, policy um, and and governance and strategy and, and those combination it, it's probably quite rare to have that combination of the internal and the external before mm. you're a CEO and so that feels like it was a I was just quite lucky to start in that in that field and work quite a lot with boards already and so moving into the CEO role uh, probably felt a bit more natural to me maybe than if I had just been externally focused or just internally focused so having both of that combination I I, I found it really helpful I think.
0: Yeah how lucky and lucky to being able to kind of try it for a bit as well yeah so if you liked it.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and 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 almost, you know, the the thing that I always find quite interesting is you how much the role, the title means, and sometimes you have to for you have to remember this isn't about uh, me, this is about the title. So when when people sometimes get a little, um, they're aware of uh, you being the the CEO when they might um, you, they might not be uh, as comfortable, and so uh, you know sometimes you have to remind yourself that's not about me this is about it, it's because of the the, the role and yeah. uh, and that does come with it with experience i i remember meeting somebody in the um in, in mencap when i was making a cup of tea and we were talking quite naturally until she found out my my role and then and then she said oh no i'm so uh, i'm so embarrassed uh, i didn't know that you were uh, a a director and uh you know that's uh i i hope that the you know the style that i have is quite accessible and that anybody can can talk to me but sometimes you need to remind yourself that you sometimes Sometimes have to try a little bit harder to make that clear to people. I think.
0: Yeah, it's about making you human. And I think yeah. when I was a register manager, I had a I had a fairly large home, and and y- you could sometimes feel that people did have those um, reservations if you are kind of just having a a, a kind of a a water cooler moment where you're just chatting about you know something that was happening on TV the night before or you know something to one of my children or something you could see the people kind of going oh I'm having a conversation you know being a bit and it's just about kind of remembering actually this is not about me as a person this is about the world that's a really really good point. Mm Yeah. So, in terms of skills for care, so obviously you'll be with us for, for just over six months. Um, I'm sure you've noticed there's a real focus on supporting registered manager. Why do you think that we have that? So, my, I think that
2: it's probably a combination of a few things so for me the registered manager post and this is this is something that i would have said in in mencap when i was working in a provider as well the registered manager post is absolutely key in social care and sometimes not recognised to be so uh, as important as it actually is um, and so I think this is about providing the support that registered managers uh, need, but also filling a gap, maybe. Um, so when I look at the registered manager uh, post, there's that combination of the inside, the outside, your team, the quality of service, having to. Un- understand and bring together all of those different skills, business skills, people skills, um, thinking about the individuals that you that you support and when when you, you you take a step back and you look at even our stats and our data that comes from the adult social care workforce data set. One of the things that we know is the um, the, the link between quality and, and 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 registered managers. And so, if you've got a a registered manager who's skilled, who's happy in role, uh, and uh, you know that that, that has a, a massive impact then on quality and on their teams. And so, it feels like um, that combination of it being such a key role, but also um, a role that can feel quite lonely at times. It feels like the what we can provide is the combination of Uh, practical advice and support, but also, particularly during COVID, that peer-to-peer support. And so uh, our ability to facilitate that, to facilitate the networks, feels like it's really key for registered managers and all of the registered managers that I've spoken to. I think I'm attending a network this week, actually, and I've attended other ones, and there the feedback is is very much we sometimes need that peer support for practical reasons to say you know uh, does anybody have a risk assessment on this particular um on this particular issue because I'm going to draft one and you know it reduces their time but equally sometimes it's just I've had a bad day and having other people coming in saying you know it's okay and we all have bad days and you're doing a great job um so that that combination of practical and emotional support feels just really really important to me and if we didn't do it i think some it would happen in pockets but i don't think it would happen to the degree that it that it does
1: so you you can i just check on you're saying that our role in skills for care really is to facilitate that peer support to be able to bring managers together very much
2: yeah, I think it is. I think that's the that's the role of the registered manager networks in in bringing together registered managers who can support each other um, and also to signpost them to to things that we're we're doing. So I think it's two way for me. So some of the during COVID being one example, we heard registered managers talking about things that they would value from us. So uh, it, it, some practical webinars around how do we support uh, BM college colleagues who are higher risk of, um, of, of, of being adversely affected by COVID and how do we how do we do that? What are the types of things that we need to think about? And so listening to those networks, we were then able to say, well, maybe we need something a little different here in terms of support and we ran some webinars. So I think it's two ways. I think we can facilitate the networks, but also it gives us a uh, really useful insight into
0: the, uh, the support that we need to be providing as well. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree, and it's, it's about having those conversations with managers about what's important to you and what can we do to support you. Yeah. Um, in terms of kind of the register manager role, and, and as you know, I was a register manager for many years. How why do you think it's important that register managers develop themselves? I know from experience it was something that often kind of came to the bottom of the list, my staff were, were kind of the, my key focus in terms of learning and development. Why do you think it's important that uh, register managers develop themselves?
2: I mean I, I think it's always important to develop ourselves in general so even um, for any and any role I, but I think particularly for managers and particularly when you've got all of that combination of roles that you have to do and you have to have that insight uh, into so many areas of soft skills and business skills and it feels to me I always think as I've moved up through organizations if you don't understand yourself uh, in any of those situations you can't understand what's happening because you don't know what you're bringing and so all of us will have areas that we need to be focusing on uh, so I think it's it's important to look across the role of the registered manager and say there's no way I'm going to be naturally good at all of that. It's not possible uh, because none of us are. And so what are the areas that I need to focus on in terms of continuous improvement? But but I also think there's an element of setting that culture. If you want your teams to think about their own learning and development, if you want your teams to, to value that continuous improvement and that reflection where you're able to say, you know, I didn't do that very well, but that's OK, because this is what I'm going to do do. Uh, so it's it's as much about developing yourself, but it's also about building the culture um, of, of that development um, in, in the teams as well and in the organisation. And, and the first step for that for me in that is, is about reflection and some of it might be technical skills. Uh, so it might be uh, finance skills, for example, that you think I probably need to build a bit more of those. Uh, but quite a lot of it, I think, is about you as a person and you as a manager and you as a leader and trying to do that consciously. And while it seems like another task, and I, and I think that sometimes can be right when you're when you're overwhelmed, it seems like another task, but it equally frees up time in the longer term because you're able to better develop your team. And the more you can develop your team, then the the less you have to go in to try to fix things last minute or um, or the last you have to, the, the you know, there's none of that uh, more reactive um time, I suppose. So I I think it does pay off in the long term, but it's about you being really focused and not trying to to do everything at once. And and also, uh, you know, listening, uh, understanding if you have a big inner critic as well. So one of the things in my coaching that I've become very aware of is some people are just really hard on themselves and think, "Well, uh, you know, I can't do that very well. Oh, that's awful. I should be able to do that." And actually, sometimes it's about having a bit of patience with yourself and saying it's okay not to know, um, but to to try to move uh, on to that. Yeah,
1: it it sounds to me like you're describing the register manager's role as as involving so many different skills and knowledge and quite a complex role. Mm-hmm. Do you do you feel it's a really difficult role for people to do?
2: Yeah, I think it is and that's the uh, you know that the point I was making around it, deve- it it does require a whole breadth of skills some of which are quite technical and, and a lot of which are, are people skills and a lot of experience and you're you're going from the uh, the real detail into the big picture into the the very human and you're trying to do that really quickly within mm. I don't know a space of, of half an hour so I think it is a, a really complex uh, role there's a lot of requirements from a regulatory perspective we know the importance of uh, of well-led in terms of our um, in terms of CQC and what that actually means but the uh, you know the breadth of that is 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 significant I think.
0: Yeah I agree it, it, it is and I think it's really important that that um, managers kind of use all the avenues they are to for, to develop themselves. So it doesn't just have to be formal qualifications. It could be, you know, attending a conference. It could be listening to something and then afterwards reflecting, saying, "Well, actually, how does that impact on the work I do, on my role, and my my skills and abilities to do to do that role?" And yeah. and really using all the things, you know, that they are. So much available um, uh, for for the sector, but I think sometimes it's about picking the things that's going to yeah. really impact on your role. Will be uh, would be kind of a thing to, to for managers to think about. You mentioned coaching, so you are a coach. Tell us a little bit about more about what what being a coach is all about. So yes, I'm a, a, a
2: I'm a, a qualified coach, and one of the reasons I. Got that qualification um, or, or went through the process because it was much more than a qualification. The qualification was almost at the end. It was such a learning process, but it was so that I could think about how do you sit alongside people in their development and in, you know, in their own um, sense of who they are in the in the workplace. And I, I wanted to build some of those skills and I didn't really realize I was going to love it so much. I, the, the coaching, the external uh, coaching. So I, I keep two coaches at any one time and I do that pro bono and I'll generally coach um, uh, women in the charity sector who, who want to, to develop. So that's the the sort of niche that I've developed. And, and I think it is about um, it's about helping people within their own context, get insights into their own development. So it's never about giving people the answers or being very directive. some coaching is. That's not my style. My style is much more relational. Uh, so how do you, you start from a position where people know what they need? And this is providing a bit of a safe space and a conversation to help them uh, move on and wherever they want to, to go in their career.
0: So do you think it's something that registered managers should look at, you know, as a as a as a way of developing themselves, other either to receive coaching or to become a coach? I mean, I think it's I think it's fantastic. I think it would be one of the things I
2: would recommend to I don't think any anybody uh, would not uh, appreciate or get some value from coaching. Obviously, you know, you need to pick the coach uh, and make sure that they're uh, that you can establish a relationship with them. But that ability to uh, cut through almost uh, the the context to think, um, well, what is it that I want? What are the barriers? What's that saying about me? It's not always an easy process. Coaching shouldn't really feel easy uh, because it should push you slightly beyond the uh, the the, the area that you're comfortable. But I I think it should definitely be something that people consider Uh, mostly. I would say where they feel like they keep coming up against the same issues or the same uh, relational issues, for example, and things that they just think I'm seeing this repeat and repeat and repeat. And there's something here that I need to to understand, Uh, and and they could also consider a mentor, which is a slightly different um, offering i suppose or a slightly different relationship which is much more learning from somebody else's career i think
0: yeah so do you think that it's something that um so rather than kind of having a coach all the time it's not kind of this kind of person on their shoulder to to support them it's more about you know looking at what other things that i'm uh, as you say a barrier or something i'm struggling with and then approaching a a coach um and, and, and kind of then working on those issues is that how you as Yeah, I think
2: I, I think your point earlier around really understanding the elements of your role and thinking about where do I need development? And some of that might be knowledge based, but some of it might be actually this, there's something that I'm bringing to this that I need to understand more about myself and how I am in, in work. So if it's things like, uh, I don't know, maybe I don't have confidence, I don't speak out at meetings, or um, I I find it difficult to have difficult conversations with my team, that might be another one, um, or I want to develop, but I keep getting passed, uh, passed up for 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 promotions. Uh, So things that you think there must be something here, but I don't really know what it is or and I want to find out more. They're the types of things that I think are really useful to have a a coach for. Uh, I don't think it's always that helpful to have a a coach forever because uh, it it feels like it should be something that's quite focused on on something you particularly want to, to talk about. And then you need to do some improvement yourself, take some time out and work on that and then you might pick up coaching, coaching again, but it is more of those um, deeper things. I would say that yeah. uh, that you might need some support to think
0: through. Yeah, it's a really interesting one mm-hmm. to, to think about in terms of you know the manager role, and and it's perhaps some, not something that register manager uh, historically would have thought about. Something there was a, a way for them to um, to develop themselves. So as your um kind of working with you within skills care for the last what, six months we really noticed that you uh, clearly like to read a lot self-updated why do you think that why are you why do you do that and i think the second part of that question is do you think managers should really kind of do that as well keep themselves s- up to date
2: so uh, anybody who knows me well will always say that I'm a big reader. It's something that uh, I I've always done. Even as a as a kid, I would have inhaled healed books. Um, you know, Sweet Valley High. Uh, I loved uh, Edith Blyton, uh, and so that even uh, I do it in my in, in my, uh, leisure time. And so it's a it's a really key way that I take in information. Uh, and uh, and so I like to re I like to change my thinking. I like to read things that make me think. Oh, I wouldn't have uh, that makes me think completely differently. I wouldn't have uh, I wouldn't have known that. And so I I, I read a lot of workbooks, books books about coaching about people about cultures, um, but I also like to keep up to date. With external changes in the social care sector, because I do think we things move quite a lot, Uh, so particularly when we're looking at and thinking about policy, when we're thinking about changes to practice that we need to be uh, aware of, and so um, I, I. with uh, with all of the sector press, so um, sign up to loads of newsletters, including our own, obviously, um, but also others from across the from across the sector, from some of the um, care management matters. You know, some of the trade uh, magazines that you get some depth of insight into to where people are. Um, I also watch Twitter, which I, I I keep an eye to to get a sense of what's going on in the sector, and that um, uh, gives me a uh, I suppose a more daily uh, update, I think. Um, Can you ask what your Twitter handle is, Ona? What's your Twitter
1: handle? I
2: think it's just Ona Smith. I think it's really easy, yeah, just, uh, just at Ona Smith, I think. Um, and uh, I also try and put away some time for reading, so uh, with research colleagues or uh, people who I know keep up to date with uh, with the latest the latest research, I have asked them to flag things to me and I
0: put time away every week to read okay and you think from a register manager point of view or a manager in social care is it important to 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 to, to take that time and and it, obviously everybody has different ways of of, um, of kind of gathering information but to kind of look outwards and think about well, what are um you know what what's happening in the sector
2: yeah i, I so i think it, it, some of it depends on what how you like to learn and how you like to think so I my husband likes to talk things through so he allows me to do all the reading and then he just asks me questions and gets all the uh, the knowledge but doesn't have to read the books Um, uh, so I think it's uh, so if if that's what you like to do if you like to talk things through then you know thinking about setting up a book club maybe or you know something where you can uh, get that broader uh, input uh, but in terms of the more immediate changes and the uh, the things that are going on in the second I think it's really important that registered managers stay aware because some of it will affect them uh, personally uh, and their service personally so I think everybody needs to be building that in however however that works for them
0: yeah. so almost having a, a, a social care managers book club sounds like a good recommendation yeah. and, and definitely something not something I thought about before and I know myself when I was a registered manager um, I, you know I did struggle with mid time to, to kind of really yeah. set that time aside I so really had to Work on that, and and almost diary in my, my 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 kind of a outlook diary to kind of make sure that I, that I took that time. But realizing how important I know uh, that when we've when we've talked to managers as well that if I was aware of something that was happening, I was almost prepared for it. You know, it wasn't just a a bit of a shock to say, "Oh my God, this change is happening." If I knew that it was coming, then I could kind of almost prepare myself, prepare my staff, think about, start thinking about, well, how are we going to implement this change or and sometimes also about gathering opinions so you know social care is a a huge sector that not everybody are in in agreement of, of what you know changes and 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 where we're going and so it was good to kind of get different different opinion about something that you might not have thought about oh actually i haven't thought about that you could view it that that way so i found that really useful um twitter uh you know i I wasn't using twitter so much at that time but i found it really useful to look at the trade magazines for for instance Uh, can
1: i I ask about podcasts because we're on one now is there a particular do you listen to podcasts owner is there any that you recommend or interested in
2: so i i listen to podcasts when i'm running uh so i um uh, uh, so i i usually run marathons but obviously there's no marathons on and uh, wow. so four 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 and a half hours of podcast i get through quite a lot um mostly politics uh so or history actually so um, I listen to quite a lot of the uh, political comedy on, on Radio 4, which makes me laugh, um, and, uh, and some history podcasts as well. I don't really listen to work podcasts when I'm exercising because I try to um, a, a switch off, I think. Um, and uh, yes, but I listen to a, whole, a whole, wide, uh, whole wide range and some audio books sometimes as well. So
0: how do you think we get greater appreciation for the social care workforce in particular register managers as we're talking about register managers today obviously there's a lot in the press about social care compared to where we were just a year ago um how do you think we get that appreciation so i suppose
2: some of it depends on who we mean appreciation from uh because i i i'm not sure we're always clear on on that so i think if we're talking about the public the thing that's always struck me working in social care is that I don't think the public understand what social care is. And so anytime we start to talk to the public about reform of social care, reform funding, they get quite um, surprised, I think, at the current system because they don't really understand it. And so I I think there's a lot to do uh, around the public understanding of of social care. And if we think about then how that translates into policy, so if the public understand and value social care, then that rises up the public agenda because, uh, you know, that's what MPs will get in in their letter. Boxes and it will form uh, the basis of elections much more. And so I think there's something about that wider narrative around the public mm. understanding uh, so, and yeah. valuing social care. And right. I also think that will translate into people saying to their children, "Why don't you go into social care?" and valuing uh, the the job as a career as well. I think.
0: Yeah. No, I I think you're I think you're right. I know when I was a register manager, you know. I, Yes, they kind of got the care home bit because I knew where the care home was, but you know, I my my role at the time covered a number a number of different things, not just a care home, and anything else was just you know, oh, I didn't realise that was part of it, you know. So I think that education of the of the public is is essential in 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 the appreciation of what we're what we are doing. Um, and I think we
2: see that now during COVID as well. Uh, I think there has been more coverage of social care in the media, but it's generally seen through a, a care home lens. And we know that social care is much broader and wider than that. And it's much broader and wider than uh, than, than just older people, you, you know, working age adults. And, and I think we that's been quite stark, I think, during COVID, the some of the assumptions that are made about social care and that people don't understand its breadth and depth, I think.
0: Yeah, I
1: agree. And apart from understanding on is you, there, is there other things that you think would help to, you know, really get that greater appreciation for what registered managers, you talked earlier about what a complex role and how much they needed, you know, support and peer support. Is there any other aspects of appreciation we could really work on, do you think?
2: So do do you mean, Ali, how do we value the room? Yes. Or, okay, because there's I a, think so. Yeah, because there, I think there's um, in in this debate around parity of esteem with the uh, with with the NHS, and and we talk about that quite a lot. There's something in me that makes me think uh, I I would like value of social care roles in and of themselves, not just held up against health. And you know that interaction with health is really important. But we know that care interacts with a lot of systems, and uh, not and not just health. And so, how do we value and appreciate the roles in and of themselves? And some Mm -hmm. of that is around recognising the need for people to see their career a career pathway where Where they want to, not everybody does, Um, but also how do we recognise that the people who don't necessarily want to move up in operational management in, in social care want to stay supporting individuals or staying quite uh, quite close to their teams maybe, how do we recognise that specialism that people are developing over the years? Um, because often I hear from, um, from people that they want to uh, develop, they want to stay in social care, but their only option is to keep moving up and moving further and further away. Way and actually uh mm. there's something about recognizing some of those skills and uh and,
0: and valuing that I suppose yeah
1: I'd yeah. agree yeah
0: I'd agree. It, you know it is it is tricky because we we want to we want you know and obviously we when we when we as, as skills for care we really want social care to be appreciated and 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 not just compared to to help but really kind of seeing it as a specialized sector that the frontline workers really have a huge amount of knowledge and and need to be seen as as professionals as you know and and, and how we do it's really, you know, really, really tricky, and I think it's it's a it's a bit that needs to be done little little blocks, isn't it? You know, you're saying that part of that is about education, the the uh, the the public. Part of that is about managers themselves realizing how important their role within that is. You know, you you, you know, you need to be telling everybody how what an amazing job you're doing. And it was interesting yeah. we were talking to a manager who was saying, "I I I don't think I do anything special." Well, actually, mm-hmm. it it is a, it is a really complex role that. That you know takes a lot out of individuals. i um, just talking about kind of teams, and 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 obviously you have been with Skills for Care for six months. You know, one of the things that we have noticed is that you really like to have fun in the workplace. Why do you think that's important? Uh, because we spend
2: so much time in work uh, that it feels really important to me that I can uh, build relationships and have a laugh. And there is a, a particularly when things feel hard, you know, sometimes that ability to uh, to laugh with people can 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 move things on or. Uh, so uh, having those connections. So a few weeks ago we did our Halloween quiz. Um <laughs>
1: I was going to say about that because I was in your team and you do like to have fun.
2: <laughs> really do. So I think it's so important. And, it, you know, it just that... Uh, I don't know we spend so much time on work it just feels like if I never had to, to laugh and work I don't think I'd ever laugh uh, and so and I think everybody needs it um, but equally you need to be able to know the balance I suppose and when uh, when to be serious and when to uh, and, and when to have fun and I um, I like to be made to laugh as well so you know I uh, I, I try to take opportunities I suppose to um to do that and, and it probably comes from uh, probably comes from my my family I've got far too many comedians uh, in the family who are all jostling to make each other laugh
0: <laughs> and how do you think managers should do that you know you know how how, how do you think that a registered manager of a, of a care service should inject fun fun into their workplace I
2: mean, I've heard some amazing things that registered managers have done over COVID. That is, uh, so I, I I spoke to one registered manager who'd sent a pizza-making kit out to all of her team, and they uh, and they all did virtual pizza making and, uh, mm-hmm. and just collecting small tokens of uh, presents to to thank people. Uh, so it's it's about humour, but it's also about building those connections and valuing and appreciating people. For, for who they are and recognising that, you know, I, I'm a real advocate of bringing your whole self to work and recognising that people have lives uh, uh, away from work and that's okay to talk about and people uh, should, if they want to, be able to to bring those elements of, of themselves and is a real part of that. So I suppose I would just... Uh, there might there, there'll be some times when, when it will be more formal and sometimes that you can uh, arrange things like Zoom calls to have a, uh, you know, something that's a bit a, a bit fun. Uh, but then other times it's just about uh, thinking, what would I want and how do I bring myself um, into this into this conversation? And for some people, that will be humor. And for some people, it will be uh, something slightly different. Um, but it's almost recognizing how you are an authentic leader and what does that mean for you?
1: And that that's interesting because you said earlier about the label of CEO, and that 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 could be something that put people off. And thinking about what you said there about bringing your whole self, and and again having been in that quiz group with you, you know, it's it's very much that you were there as yourself, um, and it wasn't about a label. It, so that's yep. something you believe in strongly, is it?
2: Yeah, it it absolutely is. Um, and you know, I do twice a week uh, bulletins to the whole organisation, and it's really. Important to me, and that that I try to bring a bit of myself and help you, you know, share just a bit of my life, I suppose. And I think that's particularly important when I'm not meeting people face to face and we're doing all of this remotely. You know, people need to know who I am in order to trust me, uh, and it's really important that people trust me. And so that I I'm really open about uh, bringing my, my whole self. And equally, I know then that if I build teams where they're open about that, then I'll know when somebody uh, maybe needs to talk. Something through, or you know, someone needs a bit of flexibility in their life, um and I'll be able to. They'll be able to be open with with me, and to me, that's a- absolutely key because without that openness uh, and and relationships, I I don't think you can really lead in in, in the way that that we want people to. And building those uh, really open cultures where nobody's afraid to say what they think.
0: Yeah, right. absolutely. I think that's really important. It is, it, you know. I think it's a real balancing act because you have to be that professional, and people need to see you as that professional. You don't need to see the role as professional, but you need, do need to to bring yourself to work, to bring your humour into work, to to for to develop those relationships and and ultimately that trust, as you mentioned. That that that's you know, if you are a leader, particularly if you're a leader of a larger team, it it it, it is really really important that people are seeing you as that as that person, as well as the manager or the CEO or, or whatever whatever you know whatever your role is really really um good advice
1: yeah thanks for that um so Ona, um in this podcast series we're actually going to ask the, a few questions that we're going to ask everybody so we're going to finish off our conversations with these questions with everybody so I'm going to start by asking you if you imagine uh, I mean it could be either that you're doing a presentation or it could be that you're in a social thing what story or experience do you always tell people
2: so I always tell people about a young woman that I went to, uh, to to visit when I first joined MenCap, who was supported by MenCap, and uh, meeting her and the experience that one of the. Uh, the care workers were sharing uh, with me around um, uh, aromatherapy and the, uh, the 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 impact that that had on this young woman's uh, life. So, um, you know, they uh, sprayed a certain scent uh, whenever she was getting up in the morning. So she knew that she was getting up. They sprayed mm. a certain scent when she was going to bed. So she knew she was going to bed and it moved her um, from a place where she wasn't able to feed herself. Um, and she got quite anxious to a place where she ca- she just completely calmed down um, because she knew what was coming she knew what was mm-hmm. planned and she was able to, to physically feed herself but that then led to the care staff knowing what food she liked um, and she uh, she had no sight, she had no hearing and so taste is just so important and so the difference between being able to eat something that you love and not just felt completely life changing to me and the care of that one care worker taking that time to deeply Understand the individual. I think for me, just typifies what social
0: care is at its best.
1: Yeah, that's a really powerful story. Thank you.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I think um, I suppose, suppose being told that you must have, must have had a really, you know, the fact that you're still remembering must have had a really mm-hmm. big impact on you. Yeah. It was. It just. It,
2: I. I. I left walking on air. It just. You know. It just. Give me that. Give me that real. Um. That real sense of the the, the importance of relationships. I think.
1: yeah mm, Absolutely. And um, what do you really, really like about what you do? Now, it's the second really that's important there. So.
2: (laughs) I I really like the people. So it's really important to me. You
1: don't have to say that because we're here, by the way.
2: I like all people, No, I like the <laughs> people element of the role, I think. Um, I like the being able to uh, co- combine all of the different bits and say, okay, how do we work on this as a, as a team in the organisation, as a team outside the organisation, throughout the whole of social care, building relationships, building connections. So I'm a real one for collaboration uh, and I like joining things together. I like uh growing things to be I suppose bigger than the sum of their of their parts and um and I think that's both inside and outside and it's the bit that gives me most energy I think
1: that's great I can see I um, mean uh our listeners can't see you but I can see the energy that you your your enthusiasm with that that's great um we've, we've got a, a slot now that we're calling uh our time for care slot Well, we're going to ask you, what do you think is your most time saving tip that you would pass on to other managers? I
2: want to give such a boring answer, but it really is true. I write lists about everything, and uh, sometimes I write lists about lists that I need to make. (laughs) Uh, but I, I do that. in uh, So at the end of every day, I'll write my list of what I must get through tomorrow before I reply to an email. And I'll make sure I get through that list. Um, and then at, at, at the beginning of the day, I'll go back to that and say, right, what what do I have time to do? And I think what that helps me do is force myself to do some of the deep thinking that I need time uh, to do and if I leave towards the end of the day I probably won't be able to fit it in and I think for me that's as much it it is about time saving but it's also about uh, focusing on the right things so focusing on the things that are uh, that don't not necessarily um, knocking at your door but if but you really need to to do them so so for me that's about uh, yeah it's about planning and it's about lists
0: Mm, okay. I always like to, to talk to a fellow list maker I make lists everywhere I go and in, 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 in I have lists all around my house for different parts of, of my life So it's, I um, always like to talk to a fellow like
1: list maker we're, we're three list makers here I, I am as well but I want to know Ona what do you do when you've still got things on your list at the end of the day that's my problem what do you do with them
2: well as long as I think I, I wasn't supposed to get that done today so I'll move that to tomorrow's list that's fine but okay. sometimes I'll also get things done that weren't on my list and I'll go back and write them on my list
1: so <laughs> I've done that as well <laughs> just so you can cross them off <laughs> that's <laughs> very satisfying <laughs> brilliant um OK, so we've, we've talked so much and you've talked so much about how um, you think managers should develop themselves and, and, and really about appreciation and all of that. And we're going to put you in a very difficult position here because we'd like you to think about three words that you could use to describe the ideas that you've gone through today. Now, this is really distilling it down. So three key words that you can leave our listeners with as a, a kind of a summary of your thoughts.
0: A bit of a takeaway
1: yeah
2: i would say connection so building connections and relationships i i i would say patience with yourself so understanding understanding yourself um and i would say networks
0: so using your networks
1: thank you that's a good
0: summary well done thank you so much for coming along today really really appreciate taking time to to talk to us in the first episode of care exchange um, we hope you enjoyed yourself and thank you so much thank you for asking me i had a lovely time thank you
1: thank
0: you <laughs> bye. bye so thank you very much to our guest Ona smith
1: that was a really interesting conversation I I thought she came up with some very very good and useful points didn't she
0: yeah I learned so much and it's so interesting to hear her experiences and I really um I found it so interesting when she was talking about being a coach and how she really used you know using that experiences to um develop the people they use their coach for and i can really see how that would be so useful for managers in social care and perhaps not something yeah. the registered managers have thought about before um, well actually one of my first contacts with uh, skills for care was that um i was a mentor uh, oh, okay. trained by skills for care um so we do have this mentor often which i know is not quite the same as as coaching but it's still about supporting another manager so if you are a registered manager member and the membership is £35 a year, so really, really cheap, and obviously I, I was, um, they provide training um, and then they match you up with somebody else who have asked to become uh, or asked to have, a, to have a mentor and then you spend time together kind of um, talking to them, talking about issues. I find it really, really interesting. I I learned so much.
1: Yeah, I think that's definitely something worth um, for people to think about. I I also thought it was um, really useful when she was stressing how important that peer support was. So as well as that one-to-one support that you can get through a mentoring, that whole thing about the peer support that we can um, provide through the registered managers networks, I mean, that's something that I would say if people haven't joined a registered managers network, I'd definitely recommend them. I know the ones that I support are so useful for people to share their issues and their solutions to things and just ideas to stop them recreating the wheel. And we've got networks in every part of the country, every local authority area. So it's a really good thing to join if people haven't done that.
0: Yeah, I would second that again. As a registered manager, I've joined a net, local network where I was and I found it so useful. I always came back to my service full of new ideas um, Mm. and just really enjoyed learning from more experienced managers but also kind of sharing um, ideas that I had and just sometimes just having a talk about something that had perhaps had not gone so well that you know having somebody who understood what I did um, was just so useful. Thank you for listening today. hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Care Exchange. Don't miss the next episode following the Care Exchange by downloading the Podbean app. You can also listen and subscribe for your usual podcast streaming services.
1: And if you enjoyed the Care Exchange podcast, please share with anyone else who'd benefit. And thanks so much for listening. Bye. Bye.